0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's happening today, Reggie?
1: What's up, man? Hump day. Hump day. Time to get to it.
0: Grinding through it. Twins played a doubleheader. We'll get into that. Plus later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, if you enjoy Superior Sports Talk, you'll also enjoy our other daily show with former NFL receiver Ron Johnson. Ron offers the unique view of an athlete-turned-broadcaster and brings you high-profile guests like Braylon Edwards, Adam Thielen, and Robert Smith. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or your favorite podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right, Reggie, let's talk about those twins, shall we? Twins played nearly 20 innings of baseball yesterday Mm -hmm. in a doubleheader with the Tigers. Quick recap, they won one, they lost one. Let's start with the good. Devin Smeltzer came out and looked outstanding yesterday, yet again, back-to-back impressive performances. This time in game one, he gets into the seventh inning, allowing just two earned and issued no walks. He gets the dub, Max Kepler and Gary Sanchez, Both knock in three RBIs apiece. That's the good. Now the bad, game two. Twins throw out Cole Sands on the mound for his first major league debut. Goes just four innings, allows four runs, issues four walks. A bit of a shaky start for him, but Twins didn't allow another run the rest of the game and have a chance to sneak back into this one. The bats go cold, though, yet again. After putting up just eight runs the game before, they go scoreless and get shut out. They lose game two, four to 4-0, with two games remaining in this series. Reggie, a lot to unpack here. Fans get a little two-for-one recap with the doubleheader yesterday. Your quick thoughts and takeaways on the Twins' little Jekyll and Hyde performance yesterday.
1: Man, they they maxed out on their runs too <laughs> early. You know, they <laughs> you score all those runs in game one, and then in game two, you're like, Dang, we're out of gas. I think it was it was unfortunate for Sands to give up, you know, those four runs through four innings in his Major League debut. Not the, you know, greatest Major League debut. But, the, you know, on the other side, Roger Clemens' son, Cody, he ended up going hitless in his MLB debut. So I guess it just was a, a bad day to have your MLB debut in that matchup. But, you know, it's it's – It's so interesting because we talked about how the Twins kind of have to take advantage of the schedule being as, quote-unquote, soft as it's been over the last few weeks. And you come out and you're supposed to beat a team like the Tigers. And in one of these games, you fail to score any runs. Like, that's just, it's, it's almost unexplainable is definitely inexplicable, and I feel like Stephen A. Smith, because I'm using all these big words right now, and it's early, but uh, (laughs) it it really just kind of, if you're a Twins fan, it really just kind of makes you a little concerned, because you're just like, what is going on? Like, they're supposed to be beating these teams. I, I'm I'm happy for Devin Smelter. He finally got the type of run support that he needed to support some of these starts that he's been having lately, um, going lights out again in game one. But then in game two, you're just like, man, like, you know, the guy gives up four runs. It's like, man, help the, help the youngster out in his MLB debut. And it was just a little discouraging to see that they split a doubleheader with the team that they probably should have won both games.
0: Yeah. So Rocco Baldelli, head coach for the Twins, super fan and listener of the show, obviously heard us yesterday, Reggie, <laughs> because remember we brought up Luisa Rice needs to start leading off because did you see this yesterday in game one? It was, in fact, Louisa Rice and not Buxton leading off for the first time in a while. all he does. Two for five, no big deal. Scores two runs. It worked. The Twins score eight runs in all. But then in game two, they go back to their old ways. Buxton leading off. Arise bats two. They go combined just one of eight. Twins don't manage a run, as you mentioned. Coincidence, Reggie? I, I think not. I think we're on to <laughs> something there with Luis Arise maybe starting to get a little bit of time batting leadoff. So yeah. heading into the year, Reggie, it, you know, experts had the White Sox as the king of the castle in the AL Central, followed by the Guardians as the likely second best team. Tigers, Royals, Twins, who finished last place just last year, almost an afterthought. Fast forward, here we are two months into the season, and here we are. The Twins are at the top of the division with about a four or five game lead. The Twins just got this soft spot in the schedule, but the White Sox have a pretty soft spot of the schedule coming up in their own right. Mm -hmm. So how much cause for concern is there to be when looking at the current twins pace and then what the white Sox could do and start making some ground here. Many experts were expecting them to start playing at the beginning of the year.
1: You know, what's tough is you look back at this schedule um, over the last eight games, the twins have lost five of them. Mm. And you're just like, come on, You're, you're playing Detroit, you're playing Kansas city, you're playing Detroit again and you know they got to go get this one today like it's important for them to get this one today but it's just tough when you look at it cuz you're just like these are these are games that you expect them to win you know maybe maybe you think maybe they 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 win like 6 of 8 instead of you know the 3 of 8 but it's just tough because you're just like you 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 see what's going on with the White Sox coming up with their soft schedule. The cushion that the Twins had built kind of dwindling just a little bit. And then you look at the Twins' schedule coming up, and I'm looking right now, you got three games against Toronto. That's going to be tough Mm. at Toronto. Then you host the Yankees for three games. That's going to be tough. I mean, the Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball right now. Then you host three games against Tampa Bay, and then you go to Seattle. It's just like, all right, okay, like, it's time to buckle up because, like, these games, like, I can see them. I mean, you lose five of your last eight, but, like, I can see these games coming up. Kind of getting away from them if they don't lock in, and I think that's the concern when you talk about maybe the tide turning in the division. Maybe it happens in this next stretch of of about ten or twelve games, where you're just like, man, like if the Twins don't do what they need to do, like you can see the White Sox, who you expected to kind of be at the top or near the top of the division in the first place, kind of see them like rising up and, and, and really kind of playing the baseball that is come to be expected of them.
0: Yeah, there was always this just, yeah, but the Twins are winning. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. eventually these injuries may mount up, exceeded expectations. We've talked about that all week. In fact, all month as far as pitching goes. But when are those injuries going to catch up to them? Joe Ryan now on the COVID list. They lost Chris Paddock. First was Kenta Maeda. A couple other dings and hiccups in there as well in that starting rotation. And then you miss Carlos Correa for a handful of games, Byron Buxton. It just seemed like although they were producing, and the winds were coming. A lot of fans were just a little hesitant to get too excited. And now, again, we're going to start to really get into the thick of this schedule. And remember, the last time they faced a real tough litmus test against the Astros a few weeks ago, it was not pretty. Twins with two games left in the best of four with Detroit. First pitch tonight, 6.10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Bailey Ober takes the mound tonight. Twins still hoping to get back again. Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray from COVID and injuries, respectively, sooner than later. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back here tomorrow to break all that down. All right, coming up, we're talking one under-the-radar star on the Vikings offense, according to ESPN's Kevin Seifert. And later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. But first, do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game, our Lockdown team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. All right, well, the Vikings' final stretch of practice at OTAs continues today. It wraps up June 3rd. ESPN's Kevin Seifert's latest article put the spotlight on tight end Irv Smith Jr. to play a big part in Kevin O'Connell's offense in 2022. The article has notes and quotes from O'Connell who highlights Smith's kind of untapped physical talent and the flashes he has made on the field when healthy up until this point. And i also noted the specific time in his career. Now, entering year four is when some tight ends really learn to blossom and kind of make that next step in their careers. So with so many different factors at play here, Reggie, he's nine months removed from the knee injury. He's entering year four now. Tyler Conklin is gone. He signed with the Jets in free agency. He's flashed when healthy on the field. And most importantly, He's in an offensive-friendly system for the first time with an offensive-minded coach. So you've been out at practice these last few weeks. You've mentioned Irv Smith. He's a full go. What can we expect from him, in your opinion, realistically in 2022 in this offense under Kevin O'Connell?
1: I think if he's healthy, if he's healthy, I think he can produce – big numbers for this offense. And, you know, you look at what the Rams have done over the last few years with Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett. I think you you kind of see what the blueprint is for a tight end in this offense. And honestly, like, you look at the roster and you don't really know what you're going to get from anybody else. The only, you know, real proven guy at that position is Irv Smith. And so I think the reps are there for him. And I think the the playing time is going to be there for him. Like it's time for him to go ball out because he's going to be the guy at tight end. Like this offense, you know, you you expect Kevin O'Connell to spread him out, be wide open, get guys in in positions to succeed on the field. And I think Smith is going to be, you know, the biggest benefactor of that. Because, I mean, we've seen what he can do. He has plenty of, of potential. And it was tough seeing him, you know, go down with that injury last year and and pretty much lose out on the whole season. Um, I saw him up in the press box a couple times just kind of on the crutches. And you're just like, man, like that guy's supposed to be out there right now. And he could have made, you know, a considerable difference, especially on some of those third downs where the Vikings struggled to – get the 10 yards or to get the first down you know maybe if he was out there as another threat on that offense with conklin maybe they're able to spread it out a little bit stretch the field a little bit more spacing a little bit more to to kind of get some of those third downs converted and you know there's a little bit of pressure on him this season just because it's like okay you got to show and prove after missing all of last year with an injury and also got to show and He's the guy that is the guy. And you're just like, well, they didn't really sign anyone notable, you know, to to be a pass catcher at the tight end position. He's the guy. And so there's pressure to be had when you're looking at someone like that to produce. But I think he should take it and run with it and really do what it is that we know that he's capable of doing. I think this has the potential of being a breakout season for him.
0: Yeah, we always talk about how important coaching is on this show and how the best Mm -hmm. coaches, they don't come in and just force feed guys to learn their system. But in today's new age, they they instead find ways to maximize their players' best skill sets. And although O'Connell is best known for, you know, the 11 personnel spreading them out three, four, five wide receivers, Reggie, you still got to have a tight end. Just because Mm -hmm. they're going to go a lot of wide receiver heavy personnel doesn't mean you can just not have a tight end. You still got to pose a threat to catch, get up the seam on linebackers and safeties and block. And it actually says in the article, Smith went healthy, was actually one of the better-run blocking tight ends in Mm. the league, something that not a lot of people really talk about when discussing his skill set. And I think O'Connell is going to find creative ways to get Smith involved in this offense one way or another. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see him not just hand in the dirt in line as kind of that blocking tight end, but also standing up in the slot or even out wide Things he did at Alabama coming out of college, he was very successful at as a natural pass catcher and route runner for such a big dude. Remember, you know, not having him out there on critical third downs last year. Uh, Tyler Conklin exceeded expectations as a fifth round tight end, a developmental guy. He went out and got paid. Everybody was really happy to see that in the Vikings organization and fan base. But you're talking about Irv Smith was a top 50 pick for a reason, just raw talent. This guy does a lot of different things and offers a unique skill set that a guy like Tyler Conklin simply can't. So
1: um I think what's cool too uh is this stat uh from Seifer's article. You know, Kirk Cousins was him and Conklin were like BFFs last season. Right. And there's a reason for that. Kirk really loves throwing to his tight ends. And this stat says since Kirk became a full-time NFL starter in 2015, he's number 4 Mm. He ranks number four in NFL quarterbacks with tight end targets and touchdowns thrown to tight ends. Mm -hmm. Like, he's targeted tight ends 810 times since he's become a starter in 2015. And he's thrown 49 touchdowns to tight ends since 2015. Like, you think this guy wants to throw to Irv Smith? That's why they were getting that extra work in last week when I was watching uh, on the field at OTAs. They were kind of getting some extra work in with him and the tight ends because, you know, those are his people. Kirk's like, these are my guys. I love these guys.
0: Hey, Vikings didn't draft a tight end until the seventh round. Nick Muse mm-hmm. from South Carolina. Irv Smith has to be healthy. I mean, because otherwise, we talked about it a few weeks ago after the draft, they could be in trouble. Johnny Munt was brought in from the Rams. Zach Davidson was a seventh round, kind of a developmental pick from SMU. He's yeah Ellison. still raw and untapped. Elson, yep. But uh, Irv Smith, clearly the top dog here. And if he were to go down, we talked about it. Maybe you see C.J. Ham start to get in the mix there at fullback. Maybe he's moving around to tight end in some different positions because they just don't have the depth. Yeah, H-back. They just don't have the depth right now. From ESPN to CBS, Jordan Dejani from CBS Sports named five teams that will surprise many and exceed expectations Hmm. in 2022. Wouldn't you know it? The Minnesota Vikings were third on that list with the Dolphins, Saints, Steelers, And Raiders, here's the deal, their over-under win total is nine. Their odds Mm -hmm. to make the playoffs is basically a coin flip, maybe just a little under. It's minus 125, so it's like 55-45. They won't, but call it a coin flip here. He likes both those bets in large part because of Kevin O'Connell possibly being the next Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, and in a new pass-happy league where... It's all about the first team to score 40 points. The Vikings made the right decision in bringing him in next in line of the offensive mind of coaches, not to mention – the offensive foundation that he's, you know, basically inheriting—Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Reggie—are these expectations though starting to get a little bit out of hand? I mean, <laughs> aren't we supposed to like give this guy a season first before we crown him? Where do you stand with the Vikings kind of flying under the radar and then exceeding the public's and Vegas's expectations this year as the Packers are once again heavy favorites to win the NFC North?
1: No, sir, brother. Ain't no mm-hmm. fr- ain't no flying under the radar, okay? Like, do you see some, the, the moves that the Vikings have made this offseason have shown that they are not trying to fly under the radar. They're going for it. Like, they're trying to win the division. They're trying to get to the playoffs. They're trying to get to the playoffs and see what happens, you know? Like, This team is going for it. I mean, you you re-sign Kirk Cousins to an extension. You you sign Harrison Phillips, Zadarius Smith. You go all in, you know, talking about uh, splitting Dalvin out wide and, you know, finding ways to get him the football. And you hire this offensive-minded head coach, which basically, you know, from last year to this year, basically says, like, hey, like, we felt like our offense was enough to par. And we felt like if we had a better offensive-minded coach in here that maybe we could, we could have exceeded far past. I mean, because, you know, the article says it and everybody knows it. I mean, they went 8-9, but, like, this team was so much better than 8-9 because a lot of those games you coin flip, And if it goes the other way, you're talking about a 13, maybe 14 win season from the Vikings. And now, you know, you're talking about maybe not even having a coaching change at this point. And so you had the coaching change. And I think, you know, the the over under win total at nine, I think that's perfectly fair. Like the Vikings are not going to sneak up on anyone. Like, I think there's expectations set that this team should be competing with some of the better teams in the league, and they should be competing for a playoff spot. And you talk about not knowing what to expect from Green Bay, you're like, man, this team should be challenging for the division as well. And you've you've come in, you've remade the, the roster in your own image, Quasey's image, uh, Coach O'Connell's image. And, you know, you're out here trying to hit the ground running, installing this new offense that's going to hopefully help the offense, you know, stay on the field longer and produce, be more efficient than they were last year. And I think the expectations are fair for this team to succeed this year. And they got to bring it. And, you know, we've seen some of these uh, first time head coaches, especially under the Sean McVay tree and starting with Sean McVay himself you know Sean McVay came in first year leading the Rams to the playoffs Uh, Kyle Shanahan had heavy expectations on him and he's you know already gotten the 49ers to the Super Bowl Zach Taylor you know a third year the and and you're talking about a team that's playing in the Super Bowl you know, like the expectations are set for Kevin O'Connell, and with the moves that they made, you know, everybody's talking about how they have basically decided to run it back. Well, okay, like you, you know, re-sign Patrick Peterson, you know, get some of this depth taken care of in the draft, as as we talked about yesterday. You're you're supplementing some of the the guys that are already here, you know, with. Some new guys, you know, outside of the draft, Jordan Hicks. And and now you get Louis seen Andrew Booth Jr., Ed Ingram to supplement some of the guys that are already here. Like, it's time to go. And they're not sneaking up on anybody this season.
0: <laughs> you know, the first thing every team does at the beginning of the year, right around this time, it's it's not the it goal's not Super Bowl, it's not conference championship, it's win the division first mm-hmm. and foremost. That's the thing. And the article does point out as well as the Vikings' chances that the NFC North isn't exactly the strongest team, top to bottom. with the Bears and Lions likely shooting for five hundred at best, and then the Packers. You mentioned it. Possibly taking a little step back here without Devontae Adams this season. Just a little bit more food for thought. I mean, look at some of the other divisions out there. Can you imagine being in the AFC West? Broncos, Chiefs. Raiders. Chargers. Somebody's got to be in last. Somebody has to get last place in that division. I I don't know. Uh, AFC North. Ravens. Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. Browns with Deshaun Watson. Steelers are always competitive. Some of these divisions are crazy, man. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. obviously the Packers are the heavy favorite. Vikings, though, hopefully nipping at their heels for sure. All right. The time has come. My favorite segment is here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat covering all the latest hot topics with What Does It Mean. First up, the Timberwolves made a splash and brought in Tim Conley, naming him President of Basketball Operations. Reggie, you got a chance to sit down and chat with him at his opening press conference. What does it mean for the Timberwolves organization bringing in Conley, and and what can he bring to the table?
1: So the Timberwolves took a big swing. This guy was already under contract. He was happy in Denver, you know, worked his way up to President of Basketball Operations there has a great eye for talent evaluation. You look at some of the guys who they've taken since he's been there, Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr. You know, like this team has organically built itself into a playoff contender year after year. And so it was so funny seeing him at the press conference yesterday and then getting a chance to talk to him. He said repeatedly, I just don't need to screw this thing up. Like I need to, add to things and not try to mess things up or or try to fix things because he feels like this team is already going in a positive direction. He has a relationship with uh, Coach Finch already from their time spent in the past. He's looking forward to operating with uh, Sachin Gupta, who really kind of steered the ship after some of that controversy last year, some of that drama to start the season um, with Gerson Rosas getting fired and and all of that drama that happened to start the season last year. And Sasha just kind of, you know, helped steer the ship and and get things together from a front office perspective. And now they bring in Tim Connolly. They give him a $40 $40 million deal. They give him ownership equity. You know, he didn't want to talk about all that yesterday, saying like, look, I still don't really understand all these contract details. (laughs) It's like, okay, come on. All right, okay, all right, okay. We get it. Okay, cool. But, you know, I think what's interesting is, you know, now they got the draft coming up, you know, next month. Well, I guess it's this month now. Hello, June. Mm. Coming up on the 23rd. And he's just kind of got to hit the ground running. When I talked to him yesterday, he's like, look, I've been here for about three nights. I'm excited to actually get to know the area put some sweats on and, like, just start talking ball and start recruiting and start, you know, uh, scouting and, and learning the team. And I think what's interesting is, is they've hired and lured away one of the top talent evaluators in the league. And Denver gave them, you know, uh, Glenn Taylor was talking about yesterday how – he just kind of called the Cronky family and was just like, hey, what do you think about us having a conversation with this guy? And, you know, A-Rod and Lori, their biggest thing was they wanted a top-flight basketball executive to help, you know, steer this thing into the future with the Timberwolves because they want a team that can compete year in and year out. And what Connelly has shown is that he has identified talent, He has been able to stabilize a franchise from the front office to make them succeed, to help them have success um, moving forward. And I think what's what's interesting about this whole thing is he's like, look, if I told you that I had it all right all the time, then I wouldn't be the right guy for the job. I'm going to make some mistakes, but the effort is going to be there and we're going to be collaborative and we're going to try to do what we can to push the envelope a little bit. He was, he interestingly said that he's going to push the envelope. So what that looks like, it remains to be seen, but I'm interested to see what he does over the course of his time there. They've given him kind of leeway to kind of make this team into what he feels like is going to be a contender. He's like, look, I haven't gone to the NBA Finals before, I haven't won a championship, so this is gonna be something that we're gonna try to conquer together. But the Timberwolves are very, very confident that they have the right man for the job
0: push the envelope, quote, almost a little bit of can't be a fear-based organization vibe. He Not
1: said fear. that. He actually and said really, that. Really? Okay. That's yeah. what, It
0: just gave me those vibes right when you said yeah. that. And maybe something exactly Timberwolves organization and fan base needs and needed to hear early. So plenty to be excited about for sure. Going to be a lot of fun keeping tabs on him and again, his moves inside the uh, Timberwolves organization. A lot of fun there. All right, Reggie, you can run, but you can't hide. It's uh-huh. always mock draft season somewhere ESPN's latest (laughs) mock draft has the twins taking right fielder Jacob Berry from LSU with the eighth overall pick when looking at the landscape of the twins roster for both today and then obviously the future you don't see these guys for three four years what position is the team's biggest pressing need and obviously pitcher just stock up on pitcher I'm looking at this mock draft man there's not a pitcher taken until the 13th pick so either it's a weak pitching class or there's just some other clear top end studs so do you go best available or do you just go with the best available pitcher
1: luke you just had to throw <laughs> a draft thing in here huh reggie
0: has got ptsd man huh, just that's got the, done with mock draft season that's what run. you're gonna
1: do to me mm-hmm. luke here we are well you know i think it's interesting because with conversations that you and I have had we always say when your team is up Mm -hmm. best Mm -hmm. player available don't overthink it all the time and so look I understand that pitching is a need and you can never have enough pitching like let's let's make that clear you can never have enough pitching but if Barry is the guy the best player available when they come up to draft take that guy Get your pitcher in the draft. I mean, there's like a million rounds in the baseball draft. Get your pitcher when when you can for sure and and get ready to start developing that person. But if you have a guy like here's the thing, like if you have a a chance to draft a guy like Aaron Judge, you know, this generational talent and you have a guy like Joe Ryan on the board, Yeah, you know Joe Ryan's gonna be a stud, but you're like, dang, man, this this dude, man, this dude. I was having a conversation with my wife last night and we were kind of talking about how A-Rod has just cleaned up in his career. And she was just like, She's like, the fact that he hits home runs, like, is that the reason why he has gotten so much money? Why, you know, teams wanted to pay him so much? I'm like, heck yeah. Like they're not paying these guys because they're they're hitting you know singles, doubles, and triples. I mean, you know, God bless tickets, those guys. Baby. Yeah, Yo, yeah. The, yep. the guys who you know, A. Rods hit over six hundred home runs in his career. Like those guys are getting paid because those guys are at a premium. Like you can't get those guys just anywhere. You know, you can't get those guys just walking down the streets and hey, can you hit thirty home runs for us? You cool? All right, come on, come on I, in. On in you, you're a twin. <laughs> Let's do it. Like no, you're not, you're not going to get these type of guys just, you know, walking around. So if you have a chance to take a guy who has the type of upside to be a power hitter, you know, top flight outfielder, power hitter in the future, like you take that guy and then you just hope to hit on a pitcher later, but you know, there's there's something to be said about these can't miss prospects. And if you have one of those guys available, you can't miss on the prospect because you're like, "Oh, we got to draft for need because then you're you're messing yourself up."
0: All right, last one. <laughs> what does it mean with Devontae Adams out of Green Bay? Many experts have the Packers taking a small step back and regressing in 2022. What does it mean for the chances of Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to win 13 games or more for what would be their fourth season in a row. Can they do it? 13 in a row, three times? Can they do it a fourth?
1: All right, let me let me just say this. I wouldn't put it past them because mm-hmm. they're the Packers. You're
0: not going to bet against them, right? You're not going yeah, to take the money. I'm willing way. to bet against them, right?
1: Yeah, they always find a way. But, you know, like, I think, like, it's cool that the Packers are going to go all in. On the de- on defense, you know, you're going to draft, you know, a couple guys that should make an impact on defense. You're going to go all in on defense. Okay, we get it. This team still has Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, okay? So, despite you being all in on defense, this dude just won MVP. Right. Like, it's all about yeah. him still. But what makes you just a-, a little concerned a little bit when you look at it is, okay, Aaron Rodgers, not at voluntary OTAs. He needs this time because he's throwing to guys that, you know, Randall Cobb, probably the most noticeable guy to him in that receiver room. He's got all these new targets. This guy that he has such a rapport with, they can almost finish each other's sentences. Sentences. And now he's in... Oakland no he's not in Oakland he's in Las Vegas now with the Raiders like I think what's crazy about that is is like he's throwing to guys that are new to him and you're just wondering like yes Aaron Rodgers he he makes it work with whoever but it's just like no man there's something to be said about you know getting a rapport with your receivers some of these guys that you're going to be throwing to you know there are reports talking about New target, Christian Watson, might have a little bit of the dropsies, which I don't subscribe to for any rookie after watching what Jamar Chase did last year because when I was watching, I was in Cincinnati for the preseason last year, and Jamar Chase couldn't catch a thing. You know, we had all kinds of video of him at training camp, preseason games. He couldn't catch a thing. And all of a sudden during the season, he's catching everything one of the most dynamic young receivers in the league. And so, I believe that Rodgers is going to help Christian Watson kind of get in the game and and get up to speed. But I do think that there could be a drop off a little bit for that offense. And you're you're going all in on defense and all that stuff. What if you're, you know, playing against the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell's team is scoring 35 plus points a game? You're trying to keep up with them. Yeah, and you you got guys that you don't even know if you right. can trust on game day because you really haven't thrown to them yet. I think that is something to be, you know, concerned about if you're a Packers fan, excited, absolute giddy about if you're a Vikings fan.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big draft nut. I'm all about if you can get a couple early draft picks for an aging vet, I'm all about it. Find the next young stud, groom him, develop him. But there's something to be said about a Super Bowl window, and the Packers' Super Bowl window is now. And when you go out and trade a a proven vet like Devontae Adams that is just supplanted as maybe the league's best receiver, and now you have to start all over with not only your receiving core, right? They brought in Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, okay, but Sammy Watkins is new. They also drafted Romeo Dubs from Nevada. There's a a huge learning curve here. Hashtag they got to get their chemistry down. But also – you can't just assume that, oh, but we got two first-round draft picks, though. So. you can't just mm-hmm. assume those guys are just going to be plug-and-play, start them day one, and contribute and be you know big-time factors. So there's going to be a little bit of learning curve, and when your Super Bowl window is now – you would think they would be going to sign you know, more clear-cut, keeping all their vets in place mm-hmm. versus trying to rebuild. And they definitely are trying to change the identity over there, take some pressure off Aaron Rodgers, and yep. become a defensive-oriented team, which certainly, top to bottom, we compared the Vikings roster to the Packers roster defensively. And when it comes to starters, man, Packers got a lot of young talent That's going to be budding for years to come for sure. All right, Reggie, you made it through the gauntlet once again. Yes. We're back here tomorrow breaking down more Twins, Vikings, NBA and NHL playoffs, plenty more. Remember to like Rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on Care 11 every night. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out.
1: Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior
0: Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.